fascinating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Magnificent Monday to you. Although, yes, I am still in mourning over the Buffalo Bills, but that's okay. We'll, we'll talk about that. I'm strengthened by my faith. I'm strengthened by you guys. I'm so glad that you're here with me, and you can call in to talk to me for free. 888-914-9149 is a toll-free line to call. Sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. We're so grateful to them for sponsoring the Kale Clark Show. 888-914-9149. You can also email the program. It's great to hear from you. Questions, comments, uh, show ideas. Keep them coming. Become a shadow producer. You can email me. The address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. And you can also follow me and get your suggestions to me, questions to me on the X app, formerly known as Twitter, at Kale Clark is my handle, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. So many exciting things to talk about today. Yeah, we'll get we'll get we'll get to the bills and their and their demise later on. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. I'm not really crying about it. It's fine. Uh, we have uh, much more um, bigger fish to fry, bigger buffaloes to uh, to slay in this world. And I'll tell you what, this is a really interesting question: Are Satan's 100 years up? Are Satan's 100 years up? Now, what am I talking about there? I'll explain this in just a second. But I thought I'd mention this because of today's first reading, or sorry, today's gospel reading, rather, at Mass, was about Jesus as the exorcist and and some of the crazy and inane questions that he got from the scribes about his exorcisms, where is the real source of his power, utter nonsense. But but this is, it's intriguing. So we'll talk about uh, about Jesus as exorcist in just a minute, but the idea of Satan's 100 years, are they up? Read an interesting piece on this by Monsignor Stephen Rossetti, who's a noted exorcist. He's written a lot about it. He's been on Relevant Radio many times talking about it. And he has online his exorcist diary entries, which are really interesting to read. And not too long ago, he asked that question, are Satan's 100 years up? And this is sort of um, a reference to something that happened, of course, in 1884. It's been more than 100 years but uh, we're being we're rounding our numbers here quite a bit. On October the thirteenth, eighteen eighty four, Pope Leo the thirteenth, just after celebrating Mass, you guys all know the story. He turned very pale, collapsed as if he were dead. Uh, they just said he looked ashen, as if he had seen a ghost. Well, he saw something much worse than that. They rushed to his side. His his um, his priestly companions. They found him alive, but the Pope looked extremely scared, terrified. He told them that he'd had a vision of Satan approaching the throne of God, boasting that he, Satan, could destroy the church. And according to Pope Leo XIII, the Lord said to him, look, don't forget, Satan, you know, the church is imperishable. It's going to last till the end of time. And Satan then allegedly told the Lord in this vision, grant me one century and more power of those who will serve me and I will destroy the church. And our Lord granted him 100 years to give it his best shot. Very similar, very similar to what we see in the book of Job. When Satan approaches the throne of God and God says, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan's like, you know, what? I bet you I, bet you I can get him to curse you to your face. 
Oh, really? You're on. And it's kind of like a bet. It's MGM Bet 365 or something. Um, so the similarities are really interesting, but... And this is, of course, when Pope Leo XIII instituted the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel to be prayed at the end of every Mass. And as Monsignor Rossetti notes, if you look at the subsequent century, the hundred years that followed uh, this famous incident, it was particularly brutal, particularly bloody for the Church and the world. Two world wars and, and many other wars that happened, uh, untold persecution unleashed against the Church, in the 20th century, there were more martyrs in the church than in all the other centuries combined to that point. But yet, the church has not been destroyed. And Monsignor Rossetti makes it kind of an interesting point. He, he thinks that because the 100 years are up, and technically the 100 years would have been up in 1984. Ooh, another, another mysterious allusion to 1984. George Orwell didn't write about this, but a lot of what he did write about was, was fairly prescient as well, we have to admit. But uh, it's been more than 100 years. However, however, we're, we're kind of ballparking it here. Monsignor Rossetti says that now after this 100-year period, the presence of the devil, really, it's not hidden anymore like it used to be. It, and it, it kind of reminds me a little bit about the movie The Usual Suspects. You remember that one um, starring Kevin Spacey, who, of course, has been disgraced and rightfully so. But the movie is really interesting because there's a famous line in the movie. It's a great movie. And I'm not spoiling the movie when I tell you this. The greatest line in the movie is this. Kevin Spacey says, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he doesn't exist. As long as you're not worshiping God, as long as you're not fulfilling your vocation to become a saint, to help other people to become saints, he's got you right where he wants you. It's, he's okay with you being sort of prospered, content, pampered. Uh, everything from an earthly perspective is going well. That's fine. As long as you're not doing God's will, he's got you exactly where he wants you. And he's got a lot of different tools in the toolbox. God has more, of course, to get you where you need to be. And he'll even use the thwarted attempts of the enemy to, to, to help you become a saint. But, but nonetheless, I think Monsignor Rossetti's point still stands here, that Satan's tactics have changed after this 100-year period which kind of started in 1884 with this vision that Pope Leo XIII had. Think about this, and he gives a few examples of this. 300 Catholic churches in the U.S. have been attacked since May of 2020, and this, of course, started during the pandemic period. That has not abated. This seems to be increasing all the time. Hundreds of thousands of people are not even hiding the fact. They're openly claiming to be. Wiccans, witches, practitioners of the occult, and blatant Satanists. In fact, as, as you're well aware, there were at least two instances where statues of a, of, a de, of a demon, essentially, were erected not only in Little Rock, Arkansas, and one of the reasons why uh, Satan worshippers picked that place is because there's also a monument to the Ten Commandments in that same spot, in Detroit, Michigan, Satanists uh, erected a statue of, of a Beho Beho I don't even know how to pronounce this. Um, oh, here it is. Uh, ah, lost my, uh, sorry, lost my, uh, my, my place there. Just give me one second. There's an evil uh, demon by the, by the name of Bapomet, um, and you've probably seen this. Uh, the, these statues are being enshrined in public places. So th this, is, this is really, really out in the open. 
Scripture says, For our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities, with the powers, with the world rulers of this present darkness, with the evil spirits. And that's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, that famous passage in St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians about spiritual warfare and putting on the armor of God and how we need to do that. So Monsignor Rossetti says this, that in, in spite of all this, we can still be very confident, we can still have our peace. And when he does exorcisms, he says, I, I, I'll hear demons howl and scream when they even look at a crucifix. And he specifically mentions he seems to have had some contact with this demon, Bapholmet. When they even look upon a crucifix, when they're sprinkled with holy water, he says, even the most powerful demons are put to flight because they are dust, he says, in the presence of the Son of God. St. Michael the Archangel casts out, along with the other faithful angels, Lucifer, his minions, just as they did at the beginning of time. They'll do so definitively at the end of time. And so this is, he says, we've got it covered. We've got it covered. And Jesus certainly had it covered. He is the exorcist par excellence. And we see in today's scripture reading from the gospel at Mass, a great example of how people just didn't get him right when it, when it comes to this. And it's also, by the way, the day of prayer for the legal protection of unborn children, certainly one of the tactics of the enemy, which we'll discuss in a minute. His playbook is to destroy human life, number one, to destroy the family. Abortion is a key tool in his uh, demonic toolbox, as it were. But today's gospel, of course, comes to us from Mark chapter 3. It talks about the unforgivable sin. We'll get into this in just a second. So Mark chapter 3, verses 22 to 30, it says, The scribes who had come from Jerusalem said of Jesus, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he drives out demons. Summoning them, he, Jesus, began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. That is the end of him. But no one can enter a strong man's house to plunder his property unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Amen, I say to you, all sins and all blasphemies that people utter will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an everlasting sin or an eternal sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. Okay, powerful reading there from Mark chapter 3. You're listening to the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. So it's, it's intriguing that, that um, and, and quite tragic actually, that the scribes do this. It's really ironic actually, because... They're trying to accuse Jesus of being in league with the devil, but in doing so, in saying that he is, they are the ones who are actually in league with the enemy. How about that? So uh, they set a trap for themselves, really. But it's 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 really intriguing what Jesus actually says in response to the to these accusations. Um, by the way, it's not a a totally unreasonable accusation that they that they level at him saying, oh, it's by the power of Beelzebul that he's casting out demons. There was sort of a thought uh, in, in the in the Jewish first century world that 
sort of higher ranking demons could expel junior demons, if you will, <laughs> to sort of echo um, C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters. And uh, there were, of course, um, uh, other fa false teachers out there uh, who were, no doubt, you know, essentially backed up by, by the devil. But not, nonetheless, it, it is pretty much a cheap shot here uh, that they that they make towards Jesus. But Jesus' reply is, it, it's, it's a lot of common sense as well as uncommon supernatural sense here. Jesus, in response to this accusation that by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons, Jesus calls everyone to him and says, how can Satan cast out Satan? <laughs> if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And as you know, of course, uh, the great Abraham Lincoln used this line in speaking about the United States during the time of the Civil War, this idea of the house divided. But Jesus is essentially saying this, why in the world would Satan cast out Satan? Why, why would Satan cast out his own demons? That doesn't make any sense. Why would he bust up his own kingdom? And what's also intriguing about this too is that there was, there was another document that was kind of out there. It was a bestseller of the time, if you will. It was called the Testament of Moses. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It, it, wasn't, it didn't make it into the Bible. It's not scripture, anything like that. But it is a Jewish writing that was super, super popular at that time. And it had to do with, hey, when is the Messiah finally going to show up? And here's what it says in the Testament of Moses. And by the way, this was written about this time. It was written around 30 AD. So these ideas are very much in the ether as Jesus is beginning his ministry. It says that, and this is from chapter 10 of the Testament of Moses, then God's kingdom will appear, and then the devil will have an end. God's kingdom will appear, and then the devil will have an end. And this is exactly what Jesus says here in verse 26 of Mark 3. If Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But he is coming to an end. He is coming to an end. His end has come. So it's very much echoing that kind of language, that kind of thought that was out there that when the Messiah comes, he's going to destroy the kingdom of Satan, and he's going to bring about, inaugurate the kingdom of God. So he says, hey, no one can enter, Jesus says, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. This is exactly what John the Baptist, by the way, said about Jesus. If you go back to the beginning of, of, of Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 1, verse 7, it's talking about John, you know, he's super kosher, he's only eating bugs, you know. I know the uh, World Economic Forum wants all of us to eat bugs, not going to happen. Uh, he's eating locusts and wild honey, it does sound delicious though. Um, clothed with camel's hair, leather belt around his waist, he's really wearing the garb of, of Old Testament prophets like Elijah. This, is, I mean, he is the last Old Testament prophet. Echoing scripture here, he's by the River Jordan, the scene of deliverance. And John says this, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the, Holy, with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus shows up. So Jesus is that stronger man. John says, hey, after me is coming someone who is much mightier than I. And that's why Jesus says, hey, Satan's pretty powerful. Let's, let's get that straight. He's a strong man. 
but I am like Schwarzenegger. You know, I'm like God's commando. He's taken hostages. He's taken people to do his will. He's infested people with demons, but Jesus is going to exercise those demons. He says, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Who's the strong man? The devil. But Jesus is much stronger. He can tie him up like God's commando, free the hostages. It's a great movie, but it's real life. It's absolutely real life. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. So Jesus takes apart their faulty logic. But he also, he also leaves them with a dire warning, a dire warning. And this is in verse 29. Oh, let's go to verse 28 for a second. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin or an everlasting sin. For they had said he has an unclean spirit. So this is a very dire warning. This is the unforgivable sin. Jesus is basically telling us, look, if you're saying that my message and my demonstration of the truth of my message, because again, don't, don't forget, his main message is the kingdom of God. This is how, how to get right with God. This is how to come into his kingdom. Oh, and by the way, here's the proof. All the healings and the exorcisms are proof. It's like, it's like uh, in the chapter before, and this gospel was read very recently at Mass, the paralytic. Jesus says, your sons, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And everyone's like, how can he say that? Well, here's the proof. I'm going to heal him physically. And if you can believe that I can do that, well, maybe you can believe I can do the other thing that you can't see, which is forgive sins. So here's the proof. So the exorcisms, the healings are proof of the truth of his message. So if you think, Jesus is basically saying, if you think that my message and my demonstration of power here if you think that comes from the evil one, that is an unforgivable sin. That's an unforgivable sin. So why is it the unforgivable sin? It's simply this, because if you don't, any, any sin can be forgiven. Any, as Jesus says, any blasphemy can be forgiven, except for this one. Why? Because if you don't think that Jesus is who he claims to be, if you don't think that he is the power to forgive sins, then you're not going to go to him for forgiveness. So of course you're not going to be forgiven. You're basically tying your own hands. Um, it's very much like going to confession and, and just saying, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry about this, but in your heart, you have not repented. And, and that you're, you're essentially tying the hands of Jesus, you know, working through the priest that he can't raise that hand to bless you and, and to absolve you because you are not repentant. You don't want to, to change. And, and that's the key. Repentance. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's what Jesus says. You've got to turn around. You've got to do a 180 here and, and leave those sins behind and desire to change. Are, are you always going to be able to, you're not going to become a canonizable saint overnight. You might still struggle with these things, but the, the intent has to be, I want to start fresh. And you might have falls in the future because you're weak, but you cannot go in there not repenting, thinking that this is some sort of a magical formula. I just have to say it doesn't, but I, I am intending fully to go back and commit the same sins. No, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. But if you don't think that Jesus can even forgive sins, if you don't think it's even possible, you're not going to ask him to forgive your sins. It's a little bit like going to the doctor and you've been told that you have a very serious, deadly heart disease. In fact, you need a heart transplant. But if you say to the surgeon, I, I don't believe you, I don't trust you, you're, you're going to put me under it, you're going to give me the anesthetic, and then you're going to kill me. You're going to cut my chest open and kill me. You're not going to give me a new heart. You're just going to take the old one out and leave me there to die on the table. 
Well, if that's what you think, if you really don't trust the doctor, of course you're not going to get that operation and you will die. It's very much like that. If you don't go to Jesus for forgiveness, then you can't receive that forgiveness. So that, that's, that's all it really means to make it more simple when Jesus talks about this unforgivable sin. But I, I thought it was really intriguing, though. It's, it's all in the context of his exorcisms, his great power there. And this is uh, very much what uh, Monsignor Rossetti was talking about with, with respect to uh, the devil, his tactics. And uh, it's something that we need to be aware of. Because the way he's working now is a little bit different than maybe he was working in the past, certainly in the past 100 years. It's it's out there in the open. God has achieved some major victories here. Roe has fallen. This past, um, the 19th, just a couple of days ago, we, of course, celebrated the March for Life. And, and there's still so much work to be done on the pro-life front. But that, that was a major blow to Satan and his plans. And it came about through prayer. It came about through many sacrifices that you guys have made we want to get to a billion memorares prayed for unborn life and for an end to abortion in this country and all around the world. But um, the, the, the tactics of the enemy are way more blunt and in, in, in your face right now. And this is another um, thing that uh, Monsignor Stephen Rossetti said in his exorcist diary. He talked about the plan of the enemy because don't forget, Satan has preternatural intelligence. He's a fallen angel. But he was an extremely powerful angel in heaven. And even though he's fallen, he, he's still way smarter than everybody in the world put together. And so he's got a plan. And, and Monsignor Rossetti lays out the steps of his plan. Uh, he gives really, he gives like six, six elements to his plan. And uh, starting with number one, destroy the family. Destroy the family. Um Everyone on planet Earth comes from a family of some sort. So whether, and, and some of us have had tragic experiences in our family of, of origin. Some have had wonderful experiences, but the family is the cell, the building block of society and also of the church too. So if you can destroy the family, you can really destroy the, the entire society. And, and that starts by undermining marriage, of course. And, and the heart of marriage is that one flesh relationship between husband and wife. So you're certainly going to try to undermine that and counterfeit that. Uh, Tertullian, a writer in the early church period, said that Satan wants to counterfeit the sacraments. We see a lot of counterfeiting going on, don't we, on that front when it comes to marriage. But the family is the domestic church, and um, Monsignor Rossetti says he has great admiration for courageous families living out the gospel in the midst of all the attacks on it uh, in the culture. So we've got to really look to that model of the Holy Family and ask our Lord, ask Mother Mary, St. Joseph, to pray for us and, and to protect us as Joseph protected the Holy Family, protects the Universal Church as well, the family of God on earth. So we're going to look at some of the other elements of the, of the devil's plan just so that we're wise to it. Um, we need to know his game plan so that we can counteract it and be, and be smart. Be as wise as serpents, yet as innocent as doves. That's what our Lord wants us to do. So tough things to talk about, but we've got to make it happen. We'll be right back with much more on the Kale Clark Show. 888-914-9149 is the number to call in. Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. 
Hey, welcome back to the show. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. 888-914-9149. Oh, yes, the Dolphins are out. So all Dolphin fans are in tears. And yeah, so are Bills fans now as well. We'll talk about that later. But in terms of defeats, we're talking about the agony of the defeat of the evil one. And he, he will be in agony as Revelation explains, of course. And we're talking about some uh, writings from uh, Monsignor Stephen Rossetti. He's got a couple of interesting posts up about how this, the end of this 100-year period uh, where Satan kind of had free reign, if you will, the Lord allowed him a uh, certain freedom to try to attack the church, try to destroy the church, according to the vision of Pope Leo Thirteenth in 1884. And that 100-year period is now over. And the devil seems to have shifted his tactics a little bit. It's it's more blunt. It's more out in the open, not hiding his intentions as well uh, as he as he used to. So we, we talked about uh, Jesus as exorcist also in the first segment. If you had a question, comment about that, you can call in right now triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. So we talked about the the tactics of the enemy, uh, according to Monsignor Stephen Rossetti, exorcist. He says it's number one, destroy the family. We, we spoke about that before the break. And also number two is attack the church because the church is, of course, the family of God on earth. And, and not only that, the church is the herald of the message of Christ and the universal sacrament of salvation and how, how to sanctify the world. It can't be done without the church. And Monsignor Rossetti notes that a lot of the attacks on the church are kind of self-inflicted, uh, sins of the clergy, we, we know all about them, who, who kind of fell for Satan's trap and, and, and in some cases maybe fully embraced uh, the darkness. And the church needs to obviously fix that, bring that sin into the sunlight. Sunlight is a great disinfectant. The evil needs to be named, needs to be excised. But there's also, of course, the, the attacks on the church from without, as we spoke about before, over 300 incidents against Catholic churches, destroying statues, burning churches, defacing gravestones, all kinds of other types of vandalism uh, happening, of course, in Canada um, due to the residential schools. And, and allegedly all these uh, unmarked graves that, that have not been found, they turned out to be not unmarked mass graves. Uh, having said that, there, there were still, of course, atrocities committed by members of the clergy against the indigenous peoples of Canada. That, that cannot be denied. But um, there was, there was a, some fake news about exactly what was going on there. And that, that led to a lot of attacks on church properties as well. The third thing that the enemy wants to do is, of course, destroy the faith per se. Um, Jesus, and this is, this is something that Jesus noted well in the gospel, that there, there were times where he could not do miracles in people's lives because of their lack of faith. Somehow it, 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 it in the mystery of the interplay between God's will and human freedom, the unbelief of people uh, can, can kind of hinder things that, that the Lord wants to do. And uh, Monsignor Rossetti says it's, it's a constant refrain in his life. He always has Catholic parents coming up to him saying, hey, I brought my children up to be Catholic. I put them in a Catholic environment, but they are turning away from the faith. And this is happening. This is not a, an isolated occurrence by, by any stretch. There's been a huge decline in church membership over the decades, um, huge rise in religious indifferentism, the ascent uh, of the so-called nuns. And by that, I don't mean uh, professed women religious. I mean the N-O-N-E-S, those who say that. I don't believe anything. Uh, 30% 
of the population identifies as a nun, N-O-N-E, at this point. The other thing um, that he mentions is, and this is point number four in what he calls uh, the enemy's game plan, Satan wants to amass an army of followers of his own. And it's very open now. The rapid public rise of people practicing witchcraft, uh, the occult, paganism, and outright Satanism, it's all over the place. There's, I, I, I hadn't even heard of this. Uh, there's a website called Witch Talk, and it has over 18.7 billion views. Uh, so this, this is obviously uh, an area that people are, are truly interested in and, and not necessarily in a good way. And some some of the folks out there who are involved in these movements, they are knowingly attempting to follow the evil one. But others are, are just sort of, they might be spiritually seeking, and, and they just unfortunately have found the wrong websites, the wrong path. And maybe some of this even appeared innocent at first, uh, this idea of casting spells, getting engaged with the occult. But clearly this leads down a road that you don't want to be on, a road to perdition. Number five, so there's two more here. Number four, Rossetti says that the enemy's agenda is to replace Christian life and values with an agenda of death. And this is something, of course, that John Paul II, St. John Paul the Great, talked about uh, ad infinitum, the culture of death. We've got to build, he said, a civilization of love in the midst of the ashes of the culture of death. Because the culture of death is going to destroy itself. And there'll be nothing left. It's like nuclear holocaust, if you will. And, and somehow a society will need to be rebuilt the church is going to be right in the middle of that, the uh, the civilization of love. That was a big, big theme in his writings. And, and people need to, scholars need to, I think, develop that more and more because not enough work has been done on that. There's been lots of talk about the culture of death, but not a lot about the antidote. Euthanasia is uh, on the rise. Talk about the agenda of death, culture of death. Euthanasia, um, legalization of certain drugs. Um, in Canada, where I live, uh, marijuana has been legal for quite a while now. Justin says it's good for us. Um, you walk down Bay Street in Toronto any time of day or night, all you can smell is weed. It, it's it's unbelievable. It's just a it's just out there. Um, studies have shown, despite the fact that maybe we can get into this on another episode, despite the fact that a lot of people say it's just a plant, it's it's totally natural. There, there are there's clear stats and evidence linking chronic marijuana use to all kinds of of mental and physical and I would say even spiritual problems down the line. But that's another show for another day. Um, abortion is still an issue despite the fall of Roe, as we know. Um, gender confusion reigns. School prayer is out, and apparently even in, in schools. And I don't know if you guys have actually seen this at the local level. If you have, call in triple eight nine one four. 9149. Apparently, satanic groups in public schools are in. Um, we, we have already talked about uh, satanic statues being placed in public um, squares in Little Rock, Arkansas, and in Detroit. Um, the suicide rate is through the roof. So all of these are signs, and they're, they're, they're alarming signs of an agenda of death, the culture of death. And then finally, the last thing, the sixth element in Satan's toolbox. It's kind of ironic. It ends with a six, now the seven, of course. Um, spread conflict, confusion, and violence. Spread conflict, confusion, and violence. And Monsignor Rossetti says, just, just look at the public discourse. Um, there is no respect anymore. Um, 
part of that is because people, you know, trolls can obviously hide behind fake names and handles online on social media. But, but there has really been an uptick in vitriol, obviously violence, division. Um, the pandemic didn't help. Um, incidents of really, Monsignor Rossetti calls it terrorism in the United States. Think about all the mass shootings. You didn't see this stuff 50 years ago. Uh, it happens all the time now. He says these are all symptoms of a society gone terribly wrong. And he says the devil really wants to transform this earth into a living hell. And and he's sort of fighting on all these six fronts at the same time, all the time. He never sleeps. He never rests. And um, we we are. I think. I think. I think there's there's some credence to say. You know, how much worse can it get? Are we? <laughs> Are we, in fact, living in the last days? That's why it's intriguing that uh, one of the readings at Mass on Sunday was from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And St. Paul says, I mean, brethren, the appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not. Now, he's not saying leave your wife, guys. That's not what he's talking about there. Those who mourn as though they were not mourning those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing and those who buy as though they had no goods and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it for the form of this world is passing away. What's he getting at here? He's basically saying the word of the day is detachment. It's yes, we do have to live in the middle of the world. We have to love the world properly understood because God created it. He loves it. He's not going to do away with creation. He's going to renew it. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth when Christ comes again. I don't know exactly how that's going to happen, but it will. And, and so this, this present age is coming to an end. So we've got to put all of this stuff that's going on, politics, etc., in perspective. It's, it's interesting today that the first reading at Mass was about the kingdom of David. David finally becomes enthroned as king. Okay, we're good. But there were still issues in, in, in David's reign, even though he was a man after God's own heart. He had to fight against his own personal demons and sins. And we're coming into an election year this year, of course. The vitriol, the rhetoric is going to be cranked to 100. And um, as Dr. Hans, Dr. Scott Hahn likes to say, not, not only is Jesus the king of kings, he's the president of presidents. No matter who the president may be, he's not the answer to our problems. Jesus Christ is our hope. And so we've got to keep that straight. We've got to keep that right. Anyways, wonder what you guys think about all this. 888 Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Let's go to Dustin in Fair Oaks, California. Hi, Dustin. Hello, Kale. How you doing? Oh, doing, sorry, doing well. That's fine. I'm doing great. You can always ask me that. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. As Patrick Monroe would say, not bad for a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. So what what, what are you thinking? What's up? Um, so I'm calling to comment about when you mentioned about Wicca and all that, and I just want to call and say I used to be Wiccan, and I found out the hard way that that's not the path to go. It should never be the path to go. And actually, I'm now trying to become Catholic, and I feel the priesthood calling me. Wow. And I'm... I'm thinking that once I'm Catholic, I should write a book maybe or do some public speaking about for at least for like maybe parents who are Catholic, maybe for Catholic parents who are concerned about their children hmm. who are interested in Wicca or something like that to help yeah. them advise, advise them. 
to try and get their kids away from it, though, or something like that. That, that might be a great, great service you could do for the church. Well, let me ask you this, Dustin. How, how in the world did you get attracted to this in the first place? If you could just share a little bit right now. Well, a brief summary, because I know you're on a crunch time. Um, I was brought up Protestant. Uh, mm-hmm. First, we were Baptist. And I fell away from the faith, from the from that faith, and but I always felt like I needed to do something spiritual. And unfortunately, I stumbled across Wicca. <laughs> yeah, was this their friends at school or? Um, actually, it was the New Age section in a bookstore. Oh yeah, you know it's interesting that you say that because I always. I always feel bad if you're if you're in a bookstore like Barnes and Noble or someplace like that, and you go into the spirituality section. Man, it is a, a a mixed bag to say the least. And if you're truly searching for for God, you're looking for the truth, you, you can get off track pretty quickly. And that seems to have been the case in your case. Yeah, which I will admit. And when that happened, I, f- I felt that I should have gone one f- one uh, aisle further down into the Catholic section. Wow! Wow! That well, I'm I'm so pleased to hear that you have found your, your pathway into the church. Now you're, you're you're thinking about becoming Catholic, perhaps, and and what what sort of led to that, if you don't mind me asking. Well, what led to that was when my father passed away back in 2013. I needed some spiritual, like a spiritual solace, whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I figured, you know what. Let's just go to church. And the closest church I could find was the Catholic Church. Wow. That's amazing. And I hope you you have found that, that piece you were looking for. And um, are you in the RCIA program? No, no but as I'm hoping to enroll in it this, uh, later this fall. Oh, great, great. Well, listen, I'm going to ask all of our listeners to, to pray for you, Dustin, and especially with maybe a little tug that you might feel called to the priesthood even. Here, here's a, a book I would recommend on that. It's by uh, Dr. Scott Hahn. I don't know if you've heard of him. It's called Many Are Called. Many Are Called. And it's uh, it's about the priesthood. It's about rediscovering the glory of the priesthood. And uh, definitely a good read. And uh, I know that uh, I, I once talked to him about that book, and, and he said he really, really wanted to write that book. And he, he did get it out there. And uh, one of his sons is a priest, actually, as well. So... Uh, we'll pray for that, and wherever God leads you, um, certainly I think it's a great call. Uh, he is leading you into the Catholic Church, and we'll pray for that, and we'll pray for maybe future vocation they may call you to. But first things first, focus on what's in front of you right now, and uh, I'm so glad that you called in, Dustin. Appreciate you. Well, thank you. Yeah, call back anytime. Let us know how your spiritual journey is going. That was Dustin in Fair Oaks, California, who said that he was drawn into um Wiccan uh, spirituality uh, in a bookstore, and and obviously uh, it's it's out there, it's out there. And uh, for those that think this was a, a thing that was popular in the eighties or nineties, it's still very much um, in play. We have to be aware of it. So it, it, it's interesting. I wonder what you guys think about this whole idea that that the devil's tactics are becoming more brute, like out in the open, not trying to hide it. Um, the warfare is becoming more in your face. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. We will be right back. Explaining the faith so you can explain it to others. 
It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hey, welcome back to the program on this Monday, 888-914-9149 is the number to call. Toll free to talk to me. We'll get your phone calls in just a moment. 888-914-9149. I want to also remind you, stay tuned. Keep it locked to Relevant Radio all night. Of course, uh, Trending with Timory is coming up next. And then after that, it's the Family Rosary Across America special guest today with Father Rocky. As you know, today is the National Day of Prayer for the protection of the legal protection of unborn life. So we're keeping that uh, intention in mind in our prayers today. And a, and a very powerful way to do that is to join Father Rocky and his special guest, the Most Reverend Bishop Eric Polmeyer, who's the Bishop of the Diocese of St. Augustine in Florida. He's going to be joining Father Rocky for this very special rosary for the protection of life at 7 p.m. Central, right here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Well, a, a lot of people have uh, tried to check in with me, a little wellness check. How you doing after the uh, the Bills lost to uh, Kansas City yesterday in the AFC Divisional Playoffs? And whew, I'm fine. I'm fine. I, I don't let these things get to me. Um, it was there. It was there. Josh Allen had a wide open Shakir in the end zone. He got kind of bumped by his own offensive lineman there. Chris Jones kind of pushed his lineman into him. The pass was a little off. It could have taken the lead, bagged the game. Didn't happen. Then, of course... Oh, man, Bass comes up with the field goal and pushes it wide right. The two words the Bills fans never want to hear again, but they did yesterday. And and uh, Brandon Bass has got to feel awful. Um, the weight of the world on his shoulders, that's that's a tough responsibility to bear, to come in there and, and uh, have everything. And he had a shaky month uh, over the last uh, 30 days or so leading up to yesterday's game. Anyways, it was a great game, though. Credit to the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. And I'm going to bring in Jim Shaper and Patrick Alog, another Patrick, um, coming in here. And uh, Patrick, let me hit me with it. What, how, how bad are the stats looking for me right now in our playoff prediction pools? Uh, you're, you're over 500. Hey, babe. Well, that things are looking up. You're, you're are looking six up. and you're six and four. Six and four. Okay. okay. And Rich, and you're tied with Rich Gannon with six and four. Rich Gannon. Well, you know what? It's it's. Uh, the great Rich Gannon, former NFL MVP. He's uh, was on the show a few days ago at the beginning of the playoffs. Um, he and I are, you know, we're 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 okay. We're over five hundred, but but uh, I have a funny feeling that uh, you and producer Jim are uh, besting me here. Yes, what, our stats. How are you guys uh, doing? Uh, we're we're both eight and two, but uh, we don't have we never had the same picks pretty much the la- the first two weekends. So we've lost yeah. two games on different games, and we've won different games. So, but we're both eight and two. Yeah, and, and producer Jim had picked the Packers to upset the Niners, which nearly happened, by the way. Um, Jordan Love threw a pretty bad interception there in the last play of the game. But, yeah, the, the Niners did not look good. They barely survived. And uh, they're going to be playing against the Detroit Lions, um, who beat Tampa Bay, of course, in their game on Saturday. That's going to be an interesting NFC Championship game. How do you guys see that going? We can make our picks later, but uh, early returns, what do you think? I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm hoping for it. Uh, we've had some duds of games recently, but I'm just hoping for a really good game. And I think... Not telling my pick, but the Detroit Lions would be a much better story going into the Super Bowl than the 49ers. I'll tell that. Much better story. Well, they haven't won a Super Bowl, even won an NFL championship since uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower was president. 
That, wow, that, that's 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 reaching back that's a, a, a little ways. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, and there's that, that one Lions season ticket holder who's I think he's what 89 years old now, and he looks pretty good. He 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 has been a season ticket holder since they last won the NFL championship in the 1950s. Unbelievable, but yeah, credit to Dan Campbell and his crew. Uh, the future's bright there, and all of their draft picks. They, they had about four guys they drafted. Uh, in this past draft, there are major contributors now, including Jameer Gibbs, their first-round pick, who scored a touchdown on Saturday. And uh, NFC, the AFC Championship, I think, is going to be pretty wild. Baltimore Ravens, I, they they look so solid in every phase of the game. Lamar Jackson having an MVP year. But I don't know. I, I Mahomes has something. like he, he really does have that Mahomes magic. And the Chiefs, man, you can never discount them. They... They get it out in Buffalo. Um, it was it was a great game. It was a, it was a wonderful game. And uh, even before I, I did pick the Bills to win, of course. But I, I my heart was deaf. My 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 heart was with the Bills, but my head was thinking, you know, the Chiefs have a great shot here. And anyways, the Bills could have won, but they didn't. So it's so, okay. I'm just curious. Once you knew that the Bills were going to lose, did you turn off the TV or you you watch? No, the no, no. Game? I I I kept going. I wow. kept going. And oh. I, I was more intrigued by watching Jason Kelsey and his antics. Um, uh, Travis, for once, Taylor Swift was overshadowed uh, because she she was at the game, of course, cheering on her her uh, her beau, Travis Kelsey, who scored two touchdowns. He's been playing great lately. He's really turned on the playoffs. And uh, but Jason Kelsey, who just, I think he's, I don't know if he's formally announced his retirement. He's probably going to retire All Pro Center from the Eagles. He's been a lot of commercials. You've probably seen this guy. He's hilarious. But he was shirtless. Going full uh, Buffalo Bills, even though he was cheering for the Chiefs, he he fit in really well with the Bills Mafia. He was taking shots out of bowling balls in the tailgate, jumping out of the private box. Um, you've probably seen the images online, pounding back uh, cold beverages. Um, uh, yeah. Anyways, that that was that was pretty entertaining. That was that was I think more of a show than the game itself. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll make our picks later in the week for uh, the NFC and AFC championship games. But um, yeah, it was a wild weekend. Wild weekend, for sure. All right, let's go back to the phones right now. We'll leave the toy department of life called sports, and we'll, we'll get back to more serious things. Let's go to Stephanie in Iowa. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. Um, I was just, I guess, calling to comments that I do agree that um, uh, the devil's getting a lot more bold than ever mm-hmm. before. Um we live in the Quad City area, um, so Moline is right across the river. And um, my daughter goes to a Catholic school, but at one of the public schools across the mm-hmm. river, they have a Satan after-school club. Like you can't talk about God in religion. Um, or The schools have pretty much taken that away. Um uh, but you can, on school premises, on school grounds, after school, participate in the Satan After School Club. Now, where is the justice there? But that's exactly what we were talking about. This has become way more in your face, way more out in the open, the devil's tactics. And I, I agree with Monsignor Stephen Rossetti on that. This is unbelievable. So so thanks for, for verifying that, that there are, in fact, satanic after school clubs popping up across the United States. This is absolutely reprehensible. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Thank you for your call, Stephanie, in Iowa. Let's go to Rosemary now in Redlands, California. Hi, Rosemary. Hi, Kale. Great show. Love the topic. Oh, um, but a thought occurred to me that with all the uproar at the end of last year about the Satanist running Target, and everybody was up in arms about it, things calmed down, and everybody's shopping at Target again. Everybody's happy, and I'm thinking... 
is this a dry run for the mark of the beast? Let's test these people and see what they do. Mm. Well, it's it's interesting the um, the the mark of the beast. That that's something that we we dealt with a little bit on our Revelation series on the faith explained. We got into that. There's a lot of misconceptions about that. Uh, the number of the beast, 666. Well, we know that in the original context of the first century world, that actually referred to a specific individual. Um, by the way, you can go on the Faith Explained page on RelevantRadio.com, and the Revelation series should still be there. It's always of interest to people. That actually referred to, and you got to remember, this this meant something to its first century readers, the book of Revelation. It's coded language. It's apocalyptic language. And using gematria, that's where uh, you assign a numeric value to every letter. If you add up the the the, the number 666, it actually stands for Nero Caesar. Nero Caesar. And we, of course, know that the mad emperor Nero unleashed a wicked persecution against the church in the first century, resulting in the martyrdoms of Peter and Paul. Uh, fiddled on the roof while Rome was burning. He probably set the fire himself. You know the story. And so he was an antichrist of sorts, for sure. And uh, Scripture and the Catechism, of course, teach that there will be sort of this final Antichrist who will appear on the scene. Now, we don't know exactly when and how and where that's going to happen. I think sometimes we have to be careful about reading current events into that. But nonetheless, this is clearly part of the enemy's plan. It's blatant uh, what's going on here. So we don't we don't have to really think about, um, you know, where this stuff's coming from. That That's for sure. All right. Um, Quick call from Daniel in Fair Oaks. Daniel, we got about 30 seconds. I just want to get you in here. Yeah, thank you, Kel, for your uh, dedication and time. But this is for uh, Dustin, if he's still listening, because I'm in Mm. uh, Fair Oaks, too. That would be St. Mel's. If he's he's not already doing this, he should go to daily Mass, and then we have an adoration chapel there. He could do a daily, if you can't do that, do a daily holy hour, pray the rosary. But uh, and then that'll, that'll, uh, That'll be everything for him. <laughs> that yeah, that, he can get into the go to R- RCA. But if he's yeah, listening, yeah, D- Daniel, that's that's a that's a great great thing to say. And you're like the prophet, Daniel, just uh, giving some truth here. And and it's great because you're in the same town. You're in Fair Oaks, California, as Dustin, who called in earlier. Dustin came from a background. He was involved in in Wicca earlier. He's thinking about becoming Catholic, and even might be feeling a tug to the priesthood. And yeah, go so try try Saint Rose. In, in adoration, spending time before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, that's that's a great way to get his guidance, absolutely. Get some sunshine, spend time in the sun, in the presence of the sun, S-O-N, Jesus Christ. Well, this has been the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Jim Shaper produced, Patrick Alock took your phone calls. Keep it locked to this station. Family Rosary is going to be great today. Special guest, Bishop of St. Augustine, Florida, along with Father Rocky. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.